This is all theater. This is all just political theater. Political theater. Political theater. Pure political theater. Theater. Political theater. The nefarious, significant, and protracted political, political, political theater for political theater's sake. I yield back. From Washington, this is Political Theater. Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. Well, welcome to 2023. Happy New Year, everybody. We're happy to be back on Political Theater. We had originally planned to be talking a little bit about the Speaker's race uh, in the House of Representatives, but as uh, we're recording this on day three, there's still uh, just a slight bit of uncertainty about things, uh, and we wanted to have a a podcast ready for you that would... uh, uh, go beyond just a little bit behind the, the headlines. So we'll we will circle back at another time uh, to the to the speaker's uh, race. But one thing that I I did want to talk about with my uh, with my colleague Niels Lesniewski, CQ Roll Call's chief uh, correspondent, is uh, some of the stuff that was making some of the other headlines uh, as we started the new year and convened the new Congress. Uh, so Niels, uh, welcome back to Political Theater. Thanks for inaugurating the new year, and let's talk about a bridge in Ohio and Kentucky. Yeah, Jason, this is this is uh, a bridge to somewhere, uh, and the Brent Spence Bridge, which uh, carries the interstate from northern Kentucky uh, into Cincinnati, and is one of the most important uh, bits of infrastructure uh, in the country, has been. Uh, a long talked about uh, piece of infrastructure that has needed repair or replacement or addition uh, going back longer than I've been covering Congress uh, for sure. And the number of times that we have seen presidents of the United States or senators or governors or members of Congress um, standing at the foot of this very bridge, usually on the Kentucky side, uh, saying, we need a solution. We need a new bridge. Uh, this, this bridge cannot hold all the traffic that it's carrying. Um, has been going on for so long uh, that I remember when Barack Obama went there. I remember having covered Mitch McConnell's re-election campaign, I think in 2014, where one of the the topics of discussion was how to figure out how to get money to fix this bridge situation uh, without tolls. There was long-standing local opposition to tolling uh, of any substance, uh, and and what we ended up with, um, as it was put the other day, was a legislative miracle. It it really was. I mean, the as as you said, I mean, this bridge uh, this bridge went uh, went up. Uh, it started taking traffic across the Ohio River, uh, as you said, co- uh, connecting Covington, Kentucky, to Cincinnati, uh, to downtown Cincinnati. It went up in 1963 in November, uh, so it dates back to the you know the 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 last month of the Kennedy administration, uh, and it, I believe it has been. What is uh, this is this sounds sometimes worse than it than it than the than the words used, but it has been functionally obsolete since uh, the 1980s because what they did is they took out some guardrails and expanded the traffic from three to four lanes, which meant that the bridge was carrying more traffic than it had been designed for. Which means that from an engineering or whatever perspective, that it has been obsolete. 
uh, for the better part of, of four decades now. <laughs> so it, it, it's, it, it has been a longtime obsession of, of politicians in, in Ohio and Kentucky in particular to fix this bridge. It is, you know, there are every once in a while, some big chunk of concrete falls off into the river or there's, you know, there's some sort of traffic jam or, or accident that makes people really worry about the future of it. And, um, you know, the, 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 the big infrastructure uh, package and omnibus uh, uh, packages that have that have passed in recent years have allocated money for it. And on Wednesday, as as the House of Representatives was entering day two uh, of its uh, current Michigas over the uh, uh, over who's going to be the next speaker, uh, President Joe Biden, who had you know looked tanned and rested from his time at the in the in the Virgin Islands. Uh, uh, for, over the over the break, and Mitch McConnell, the now the longest serving uh, Senate uh, Republican leader, as you noted in, in your story from the first day on t- on Tuesday for roll call, uh, hung out there. Now, such a contrast. Like let, let's talk about. I mean, like the the we'll, we'll get back to the bridge and the symbolism of it, you know. But the, you know, s- s- a parade of presidents have come, a parade of politicians like McConnell and Sherrod Brown, and you know, even local council uh, members from from Covington and, and Cincinnati have always used the Brent Spence Bridge as a, as a prop. So we'll get back to the completion of that. But let's just talk about the optics here. In the House, you have kind of chaos. And then on the Ohio, on the banks of the Ohio River, you've got a little love story between Mitch McConnell and Joe Biden. It really is everything that you would anticipate it to be, right? So uh, the split screen, I don't know if they thought the split screen would come together quite that perfectly. Obviously, it it was aware that there was a potential that uh, Kevin McCarthy would have trouble getting the 218 votes to be speaker. Uh, but the, the amount of planning and advance work that goes into a, a presidential visit uh, for security reasons, for the facts that they need the optics of the bridge in the background, uh, you didn't know for sure that the House was going to be in shambles and, and unable to find a speaker uh, at the time the event was happening. But it was certainly something that was on the table, and it was certainly something that... Uh, you know, McConnell's people and, and the president's folks knew full well was a possibility. Uh, it's interesting, too, who all the other folks who showed up were. You had uh, Sherrod Brown, who you mentioned, the Democratic senator from Ohio, who is uh, in cycle. There is There was Rob Portman, who had just retired, a Republican senator from Ohio, and also from the Cincinnati area as well. And I mean, from the Ch- Cincinnati area. Sherrod Ch- 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 Brown sort of famously from Cleveland, you know, Portman from, from Cincinnati. It's the, the, the two Ohios, the two sort of big ne- uh, Lexuses of, uh, or nexuses of, of Ohio there. And so Portman, of course, uh, was integral in actually negotiating the bipartisan infrastructure law. He was one of the, the folks with Senator Cinema and others who were deal makers in getting stuff through the the Senate the last couple of years. It was notable, though not surprising, I don't think, that J.D. Vance was not there. Uh, the, the, his, the, the, new, replacement. Yep. <laughs> the new Republican senator from Ohio. Uh, they Rand Paul wasn't there because Senator Paul, and, and this gets into the, the famous um, discussion of the uh, differences of opinion between the distinguished senators from Kentucky about things like this. Uh, Senator Paul is no fan of 
big government spending programs and infrastructure and the kinds of things that Senator McConnell has been bringing home to his constituents for decades, um, with McConnell being a senior appropriator uh, as well. And so you sort of had those two sides. You had Andy Bashir, who is the governor of Kentucky, who is up for re-election. Uh, there's a, and they do off-cycle elections in Kentucky, so it's it's coming right up, and there's all sorts of uh, candidates in the Republican primary field vying to challenge Andy Bashir, who is, because everything always goes back to everything else, his father, who used to uh, be the governor, uh, who lost a campaign to Mitch McConnell once upon a time. Um, th- so there, it's always the, there's always sort of the same recurring characters that we're dealing with. And it was just, it was just a, we don't always like each other. We all don't always agree on everything, but we can work together when we do agree as contrasted with the house. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the, it's, it's interesting that that was the, you know, th- that was certainly the message that the white house uh, was 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 sending, but also McConnell too. I mean, McConnell, you know, is um, it, it, it McConnell is not in cycle. His not, his term is not up until twenty twenty seven. So he, you know, if he runs for reelection again, it would be in twenty twenty six. But he has to be feeling very confident in in his standing, uh, regardless to to be appearing with you know the the uh, uh, you know a president of of another party. Uh, it, it felt very old school uh, in, in that. And I, I think that one of the things that you you mentioned that I, just, I want to circle back to is that McConnell, his political instincts, you know, are, are, are so important to how the Senate is run and how the Senate Republican caucus conducts itself. And even with a number of people sort of gunning for his job in this, in this last uh, leadership election cycle, you know, uh, um, uh, Senator Scott from uh, Florida, you know, being the the you know challenging him for the job. I mean, the the, the Rick Scott uh, that is, um, you know, he's got some you know he's got some people that he's going to need to figure out how to navigate. You know, the 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 Senate caucus with like JD Vance. You said, I mean, he's he's not going to probably be the kind of deal maker that Rob Portman was, but it just to me it says reams about the fact that he he was there. That he wanted his constituents to see that, like this is this is something that we're doing together. That which is a much different tack than just trying to tear somebody down. It's a completely different proposition from just trying to tear people down, and it speaks, I think, to the message that McConnell also wants to send going into another divided government. Because if you'll remember. Jason, I'm sure you will, and our our listeners, uh, many of them probably will as well, that McConnell did quite well for himself and for the interests of Senate Republicans uh, the last time that he was dealing with being the top Republican actually at the negotiating table uh, with a Democratic president and a Republican House that couldn't really necessarily get its act together. Um, and, and so, you know, you look at the Obama years and you look at Mitch McConnell and Joe Biden, sometimes to the disdain of Harry Reid, who was the majority leader in the Senate, 
we're working together to avoid the fiscal cliff and the and 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 avoid a breach of the debt limit. I mean, this is this is how McConnell, you know, was able to, as you as you said during this time. I mean, the House was sort of a a mess, not the kind of mess we're seeing right now, <laughs> like you know, the, like as we're speaking. Um, but they couldn't get their act together to negotiate. John Boehner wanted to, but he was held back, you know, by by various forces in his caucus. And there, Mitch McConnell and Joe Biden, uh, you know, like. You know, went to the went to the bargaining table, and and McConnell hold, held the line on tax cuts, on extensions of tax cuts, on a bunch of like concessions, and you know drove drove everybody crazy, but avoided a default, and also got people their their extended Bush tax cuts for a number of years. Yeah, and 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 this is where we're going to be heading in the next you know few months. Uh, we we are you know a debt limit situation is coming up almost uh, imminently here. And I don't think there's any question uh, that the real people negotiating the the debt limit resolution will be Mitch McConnell, some emissary from the Biden administration. I don't know. I don't know who they will pull out of the hat to be the negotiator, and presumably with some interest from House Democrats, although they'll probably. The new House Democratic leader will probably uh, yield to his neighbor from Brooklyn, Chuck Schumer, uh, in terms of figuring out uh, exactly where the Democratic votes are and, you know, how many votes they need to hand over in order to, to, to prevent a default. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 going to be, you know, I mean, as you said, I mean, we, we still don't know who the speaker is, um, but... This, you know, the, the the Treasury always has a little bit of flexibility about like as we approach the debt limit, you know, the getting ready to breach the debt limit, they can move around different payments and all that kind of stuff. But they will have to deal with it, you know, w- within within the next few months, you know, likely by the end of the summer uh, or and and this is, you know, the the the, the toughest negotiating skills will be in demand. Uh, and the, and, you know, this, to me, this, this setting, I mean, like the, the, the bridge, I mean, like the, the $1.6 billion going to, uh, refurbish the, the, the double decker, you know, Brent Spence bridge, plus build a companion bridge, you know, to make sure that 150,000 or whatever cars a day gets back and forth. That will seem like, uh, quaint uh, in, in the type of money and and policy ramifications that we're, we're talking about. But it is a start. And it's not something I think that uh, a lot of us saw coming. I mean, like, it, you know, they it, it's not a secret that, that Biden and McConnell actually like each other. I mean, they served together in the Senate for so long. But to actually see them talking together, you know, there, it was, again, just something of uh, truly of note uh, to, to 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 point out, and you know, again, as you said, as you said, this came just a day after you know McConnell uh, became the longest serving uh, Senate or Senate leader. Period, not just Senate Republican leader, but Senate leader. Uh, you know, he the, it was previously Mike Mansfield, Democrat from Montana, and Mansfield is you know uh, somebody who served with Joe Biden <laughs> at a certain point. So the, the connections are there. I, I like what you said. I even wrote it down. Everything goes back to itself. It could be the sequel to everything everywhere all at once. Uh, it, 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 just like a, a rule of thumb for our politics. <laughs> yeah, and 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 having um, McConnell pass the uh, the Mansfield record 
on on opening day this year. What a contrast that was to watch, by the way. Uh, it, it shouldn't be missed that while everyone was paying attention, uh, as we still are, to uh, the inability of the House to organize and, frankly, members of the House not even being members of the House at the moment, as we are recording this, they are still members-elect. Uh, we found out yesterday, I, I heard from a, a Democratic source in the House, uh, that they couldn't offer order a uh, coffee maker. <laughs> because Let's talk about the real tragedy here. <laughs> they didn't have budgetary approval. They don't have the budgetary approval to even do the most basic of uh, things to get offices up and running as opposed to the Senate, where everyone came, they were sworn in, they don't have to adopt a new rules package immediately because they're a continuing body and two-thirds of the chamber was always there anyway. But the Senate got its work done uh, and left. They're not back until January 23rd. They're like, we want no part of being around (laughs) while the House figures out what it's doing. Uh, there's a, there's also probably some realization with McConnell that um, now that the Senate is not 50-50 any longer, but it is 51-49 in favor of, of Democrats or those caucusing with Democrats, that he has less leverage to gum up the works you know, on nominees and so forth. Schumer has a lot more leverage uh, to, to just bring nominees. There will be uh, you know, fewer tied votes, if any, uh, in, in committee on, on nominations for judges and, and cabinet figures and sub-cabinet figures and ambassadors and so forth. So you know, he's, he's not one to overplay his hand. Uh, I, I think, you know, like it, it is a, it is a truism that McConnell does not do anything unintentionally ever. <laughs> Everything is very considered. No. And the fact that the Senate is not in town means they, they can't be confirming, uh, nominees, uh, for the next two weeks. And, and, and we both know a lot of what the Senate will be doing in the next couple of years uh, is confirming nominees, at least when uh, there is not a crisis staring down that they need to try and bail the House out of. All right. Yeah, so they'll just leave their, the House to its own crisis this week. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, Niels, thank you very much for uh, for, for talking about uh, a, a bridge. What's, what's the expression? Uh, need to see a man about a bridge? Uh, <laughs> you're, the, you're the one uh, for, for this podcast. But it's just, it's one of those things. They're going to have to find a new prop now, I guess. I mean, I, I, it's not supposed to be done. The whole construction project is not supposed to be done until 2029. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we get, uh, get a few more uh, of these sort of uh, events where you say, where they can point to it and say, see, <laughs> there's a new bridge going up. Uh, but eventually uh, they'll, they'll have to find some other crumbling piece of infrastructure uh, to trumpet. But uh, I think it's good to note this, the significance of it. And, uh, and now we got to go back and check in on the house. <laughs> so thanks again. And uh, welcome to 2023.